You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to Six Rings and Football Things, the final Cadillac's crucial clashes of the calendar year, but not the football season. Two weeks to go. Patriots coming off a big win in Denver, I guess, on Christmas Eve. I guess. 4-11 on the season. Heading into a big New Year's Eve game against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo and joining us as he does each and every week, weei.com Patriots beat writer, Michael Cadlick. Does anybody call, you, Mike? anybody call you Michael? Not really. My mom, my cousins, but besides that, it's all Mike. Okay. I'm the same. I'm Andrew to my wife and my mother, and that's about it. Everybody else calls me Andy. So. Your wife calls you uh, Andrew. So does she... Did she, did you introduce yourself to her as Andrew or is that just kind of like a, she's always mad at you. So she's like, Andrew. Um, probably more the latter than the former. <laughs> okay. Um, cause no, so I was Andy when I was like first started dating yeah. her and everything. So I don't, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Um, but it is what it is. But yeah, my mother actually used to get really mad. She doesn't like, like that my byline and that like when I do TV and radio is Andy, mm. she is like mildly offended that it's not Andrew. So maybe I should change my name like Demario Douglas, who added a big M. We've been writing yeah. it wrong the whole time, which, side note, I don't feel badly about. I did it the way I was told to do it when he right. arrived in May or whatever, and no one yeah. said anything. So that's on PR. That's on him. Whatever. So, so yesterday, actually, my brother saw my tweet and then sent me a screen grab of Demario Douglas's Instagram and on Instagram, he doesn't even have the M capitalized, but he does on Twitter. Oh, so, like, I was just like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know what PR told us it yesterday. He said it was funny and he didn't know. And so, yeah, but I guess whatever he wants, we'll, we'll do it. But, yeah, that was kind of weird that nobody told us until, what is it, December 27th of, right. of the year. So, crazy. And it, it's not like he hasn't been notable and he just started right. playing. So now this is the opportunity. No, no, no. He's been one of the most talked about Patriots players all year, whether it was yep. training camp throughout the season. Like, so yeah. Okay. Demario Douglas now has a big M in his name. 
Big D, little E, big M, whatever. Uh, Patriots, Bills, and we're going to do, as we always do before we get into three specific clashes, uh, break down some of the uh, biggest stories of the week, talking points of the week. And I want to start with the star of the week, I guess. Bailey Zappi has now won two games in his last three, twice on primetime, upsets on the road. In Pittsburgh, he wins. In Denver, he wins. And now I think the narrative has kind of gone in a real positive direction for him. He's all smiles, which mm -hmm. I love. He's very likable. He oozes confidence and, a, and sort of a genuine love of life and football and everything he's doing. But now suddenly I'm hearing these kind of ties to Kurt Warner because that's his guy. And he reached out to him. And, you know, yeah. Kurt Warner had a tough time getting his foot in the door. But when he did, he became a Hall of Famer and won Super Bowl, like the whole thing. Um, when does Zappi get fitted for his red jacket? <laughs> and that's the, that's where I want to go. Yeah. Because um, I like this story. He's in, you know me, it starts with entertainment. He's injected some entertainment value into the end of the season, maybe hurting their draft pick status in, in the process, but whatever. Um, he's not afraid to make passes. He did play a cleaner game in Denver. Um, but he also, I believe it was six three and outs he led the offense on, including three three and outs in the fourth quarter, which yep. totaled, I think, six yards. While the Broncos were coming back and the Broncos were tying the game, he was putting his defense in a tough position, essentially. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're going to talk a lot about, I think, over the next couple of weeks, has anything down the stretch changed your opinion of X, whether it's the team, Bill Belichick, the roster, the situation? So I'll ask you that question. Bailey Zappi who I think we all believed was the inferior quarterback to Mac Jones in the summer, in training camp, whatever. Has Bailey Zappi changed your mind over the last couple of weeks as to what his NFL ceiling might be? Yes. Yes. His, what his NFL ceiling might be, yeah, is definitely different than what I thought. I mean, I was yeah, – I mean, I had to interview Bailey last week or on the other day on, on Jones and Mego, and I talked to him in the locker room a little bit, and – whether he knows it or not, I was one of the guys who was like, no, Zappy stinks. And, you know, like, and uh, Mac Jones is a better quarterback objectively. And, you know, what, what we saw in training camp, like, he, he wasn't grasping this Bill O'Brien offense. And they told us themselves that they didn't think he was worthy of a roster spot heading into the regular season. So, um, yes, what he's shown over these last, you know, four or five weeks has been really a, a big jump from, from what we saw, you know, just four months ago. Now, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the six three and outs on Sunday and sort of, you know, and we talked about it before and we'll get to it when we talk about, you know, Zappi in, in our in our matchups, but like the turnover worthy plays and Zappi half hour as Fitzy described him in the first couple of games. Like he he's slowly getting better and he he has he's he's gotten them two wins out of their last four games. So ultimately, like how can how could my opinion of him not change? Right. Um but I still think that though his ceiling has risen, I still think his ceiling is like a high-end backup quarterback in the league. Like I don't think we should look at what we've seen here and scrap the plans and scrap what we thought of this team after the game in Indianapolis. And could it have been solely on the quarterback then back then? Yeah, maybe it could have because Mac Jones was terrible in that game. He threw the awful interception at the goal line. Like, you know, it does go back to the quarterback, but – I still don't think you could run back this team with Bailey Zappi and expect to all of a sudden be like the Niners and Brock Purdy and go win a Super Bowl. I just don't see that from him. Uh, but overall, yeah, he's he's impressed me with his moxie and his, you know, 
everyone's sort of gravitating towards him. The offense is playing better objectively. Like they scored 20 something points uh, that game. They scored 17 against Kansas city, which is a jump from what they had in Mac Jones. So he's playing better than Mac Jones. He's playing better than he was in the summer. Um, but I do think I'm with you that we need to pump the brakes heading into next season still, unless we go into Buffalo this weekend and he puts up a 30 burger. And then the next week against the jets, he has, you know, three passing and two rushing. Like then we can start to have those conversations, but for now, as we sit two and two in the last four, he's impressive, but I'm not I'm not buying his Abbey jersey just yet. So his biggest jump, in my opinion, has been in his uh, post-game celebrations, where in a course of about three weeks or two and a half weeks, he's gone from a handshake with Bill Belichick to a big old yeah. hug that he's going in for no matter what. Um, and if his play on the field takes those types of jumps moving forward, maybe we'll have to really, truly reassess his upside. But I agree with you. I think he's looking like, first of all, I think if he was cut today, somebody would claim him. So that's there's a oh, growth yeah. there from where he was to start the year because he was available and nobody wanted him. Right. Um, but I do think his upside in my mind now is Gardner Minshew, like a high-end backup, kind mm -hmm. of a, a GM and coach killer, that guy that somebody might convince themselves yeah. this guy's good enough to start. Um, more so that's what example. I, and I want to cut you off with Minshew there because like the Colts right now, they're going to make the playoffs with Minshew and they're sitting on the number four overall pick in the draft. And it's like, how do you not go with him? But also how do you move off from Minshew? Like that's, it does, it puts you in a bind as a front office. It does. And, you know, we're going to talk about the bills in a little bit. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a guy that was their starter for a while. I think that's even a little bit higher of the, the, that guy who, can he start games? Will he convince you for a month that he's good? But can he do it for mm -hmm. 17, 18 weeks? Probably not. Um, and bounce around. He's worthy of being an NFL quarterback. And we're right. seeing that more and more. There's guys that take the field that aren't worthy. So whether it's, is he among the 64 best quarterbacks or 70 best quarterbacks or whatever the number is, that's where I think it's changed because I think there was some doubt about that for a little mm -hmm. while there. You know, a lot of people thought Bill O'Brien kind of, I know Rich Keefe uses the phrase, hated him and wanted mm -hmm. no part of Bailey Zappi. And I don't know whether that was true or not. Well, so Zappi um, even talked about it yesterday with the, just the difference in the offense where when he he was like, when I was at Western Kentucky, we were air raid. We ran the ball right. maybe 10 times. We threw it 50. Like the play calls were X, Y, Z compared to a freaking novel. And he was like, yeah, it's been an adjustment. But he was like, I still, I now that I'm used to it, I like it now. I understand it makes it like better on the quarterback. He said a couple more things. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it has been an adjustment for what he ran. And over the summer, O'Brien did probably hate him because he had no, he could not grasp the offense for, for shit at that point. But now right. it seems like he's sort of, you know, worked, worked his way in and is, is sort of comprehending what they want to do. Um, and it seems like him and O'Brien's uh, relationship has sort of improved there too. And I think for me, the biggest play he made in Denver was an early, uh, he was pressured a little bit, rolled out, and threw the ball away. And I thought mm -hmm. that was like – because the week before, he threw it right to Willie Gay in a similar situation. Yeah. And, that, and that's the kind of growth that you need. And so I'll leave the door open to, to – you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, he'll never be anything in the league. No, I'll watch and I'll see how he plays this week and next week. Um, but I do think, as we do in this world in general, like the 15 minutes of fame or like – the narrative is kind of ahead of the reality of Bailey Zappi. Mm -hmm. We'll see where it goes. Okay. I mean, Tommy so, DeVito, 
Tommy DeVito was selling like chicken cutlet sandwiches at every Italian deli across the, the entire state yep. of New York two weeks ago. And now Tyrod Taylor starting for the Giants. So. Right. And I'm not and saying Zappi's Tommy DeVito. Like Zappi was a fourth round pick known to be a developmental guy where DeVito was undrafted, bounced around five practice squads before getting here. So, but that it's kind of that thing where, I mean, is Joe Flacco going to start for Cleveland next year? No. Like is, who who else is starting this week? Jared Stidham for the Broncos. Like there's so much, there's right. been like 60 plus starting quarterbacks this season. And I'm with you. Zappi's been impressive, but I, I want to see how these next things play out before we put the C on his Jersey. And, you know, do we start flooding the shelves of Zappi jerseys? <laughs> Um, okay, so a couple other stories I want to touch on. Speaking of narratives, our buddy Mike Giardi mm-hmm. kind of injected newfound life into the yeah. Belichick craft, blah, blah, blah. And I actually, so the tweet was basically about the fact that Bill has expressed um, to his, to people around him that he has doubts as to whether he'll be back, like, which to me is not groundbreaking newsworthy. No. Like if he didn't express doubts, he'd be the most blinded man on the planet i mean another losing season you got four wins actually before this you only had two wins you've had a little bump here with a couple wins um but mike talked uh tweeted about and wrote a story that i didn't read because i'm not a a subscriber so i can't read um the fact that they haven't met yet robert Kraft and bill belichick and mike believes based on the tweet that that's a, a mistake a mishandling of the situation um I want to get your opinion on that because I actually think the opposite. I think it's very um, in in a it's actually a Belichickian way of doing business. Yeah. Like we're not going to address the situation until we need to. We're not going to, you know, we have things to focus on now. There will be a time to address that. Right. And I also wonder, like, what would the point like if you let him know a month before the end of the season that this is your final month? Is that like, does that change? He's a human being. I know we pretend right. Bill is just a robot, but he is a human being. Does that change things? So what was your take on this idea that A, Bill is expressing to somebody that he mm-hmm. might be out of a job, which I think is obvious, but, and then B, Mike's assertion that it's a major mistake that they haven't met and talked about it. So I do, I do disagree with you because I do think it's, it is noteworthy that this was sort of reported because up until Mike really said that, and I think Andrew Callahan said something about it a few weeks ago too, he mentioned, but that didn't really catch as much wind as, as Mike's report uh, the other day. But I do think it's noteworthy because up until this point, it sort of just seemed like Belichick and everybody in the building was at least trying to go status quo. And and I think Albert Breer reported that he was still having scouting meetings and he was setting up assistant coach contracts for the following year. So it kind of felt like Bill was just trying to ignore the noise and not saying anything, at least to anybody around him. So I did think that him at least expressing doubt to people was a sign that, oh, he kind of knows that something might happen here. And he doesn't just think it's media speculation that the crafts actually might go and do something. So um, as far as though, like the crafts not speaking to him yet, I mean, I'm with you that it, it is the Belichickian thing to do that, you know, the season's not over yet and we're still kind of rolling here and we haven't made a decision yet. What are we going to, I do think it was kind of, it would be kind of weird for them to be like, this is it for you coach through the season. We're going to celebrate you in the last game against the jets. And then we're essentially going to fire you without telling everybody that we're firing you. Like you're bad, but it was good for a while. Please coach the team, even though you're not only a lame duck, but you can't even make the postseason here. You're just kind of going through the motions. So 
I mean, I get the the respect thing and the fact that it should sort of, you know, Bill has done enough to kind of earn the conversation and maybe the right to defend himself, if you will, and sort of ask for, you know, not necessarily have the conversation and for them to be like, you're leaving more so, okay, how can we help you improve before you sit there and, you know, be snarky and then we do have to fire you type thing. So I can kind of see both sides to it, but it doesn't, I guess it does shock me a little bit that they haven't spoken about it because you would think that, you know, being together for 20 something years, ha- supposedly having a decent, re- at least working relationship behind the scenes that like if Robert Kraft walks by you in the, in the bowels of Gillette stadium, like everybody's talking about Bill's job status. So whether like it's kind of just kind of an elephant in the room to sit there and not say a word about it. You would at least be like, Hey, you're fine for now. Like, don't listen to it. Like we'll talk at some point. And at that, at that point, at least they're kind of acknowledging it where if there hasn't been any communication, I do just kind of find it odd. And then the one layer that I'll throw in there is I don't think they've had a great relationship over 25 years. I think it's had its ebbs right. and flows and you have the little blurbs about like, Spygate, what advantage did you get? 1%. Mm. Well, you're a schmuck then. like, Or that thing from one of the other books where it's like, Kraft refers to him as my a-hole coach kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, But so again, there's, there's I do think there's a definitely a working, I guess, respect, if you will. Sure, like, sure. Like, uh, you're an a-hole, but you do good work right. for me. I'm your a-hole boss. And I'm an a-hole, a-hole, but you're my boss type of thing. Like, yeah. Right. Um. But the one thing I would throw in there is the fact that Bill is under contract Mm -hmm. and therefore, depending on what the exit strategy is, if there's even an exit, because there's been a groundswell of keep Bill support of late because they won a couple meaningless games against teams that replaced their quarterback the following day. So, you know, really rah, rah, shish, Um, (laughs) But so there could be like, let's just put a number on it. He's under contract for one year. So let's just say. There's $25 million involved and a first round pick if you want to trade him because he's under contract. Now I'm going high end. I don't know if you could actually yeah, get a yeah, first yeah. round pick or not. But well, them tell- them winning the last couple of games here might bring that up to a first round pick if a team wants to trade for him. Which Correct. Makes it if you're the Chargers, too, yeah. if you're the Chargers and you watched your coach lose the team and the team lie down, roll over, and get absolutely embarrassed by a division rival in the Raiders, mm-hmm. give up 42 points and a half, and you see Bill's team fighting to the finish, even though they got four wins, absolutely that could. But my point is, if you tell Bill you're out, well, you've lost some leverage. Like now, yep. oh, so you're firing me. So I'm free to go wherever I want, and you're firing me, so I get to keep my $25 million and then go make $25 million from the Chargers or the Commander, yep. whereas Robert m- might need to tight-lip this and you know do business and say, I'm looking to tr- not only trade away that 25 million so I don't have to pay 25 million, but also I'll take a second round pick, a first round pick, a two and a three, whatever. So I think that's a layer of, and I don't know where they are in their relationship. Like they let Tom Brady go. They said, right. okay, you're free and clear. Go do, you've earned the right to make your own decision. Did they, did they learn from that? Did they say, well, that was kind of dumb. We got nothing for the greatest quarterback of all time, yeah. and he won a Super Bowl. That was so, really dumb, the way that whole thing went. And I know we've talked about it a million of times since it happened, but that was dumb. And and if you let Bill go, and he goes and has some success, let's say he doesn't win the Super Bowl, but he has a couple good years, 
you know, the Shaughnessy's of the world, the, the real vocal critics, you don't think they're going to say, wait a minute, you had the greatest quarterback and greatest coach in, Q in NFL history. Not only did you let them break up, but you let both of them go and got absolutely nothing for it. What a boob of a businessman you are. Like right. that would. So I, I think there's a chance that Robert and Jonathan have to tiptoe through this to try to not just save face, but do what's in the best interest of the New England Patriots. Not, right. you know, they don't, I don't think they owe Bill anything. I think they've treated him really well for a quarter of a century. He's done mm -hmm. a lot of good work for them. He's made them a lot of money. But am I going to say, oh, yeah, I'll put your best interest ahead of the Patriots? No. Right. I'm going to get rid of the $25 million so I can spend that on a player. And I'm going to get an extra first-round pick so I can spend that on a player. And I'll wish you well in wherever the hell you end up. So, right. so okay. now, do you think that as far as Bill's contract goes and then also him, like – being the de facto general manager, like there's got to be a clause in there somewhere that says like he can say yes or no to the team that he's going to be traded to, you would think, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, like, can, he, he can, yeah, he controls it. He has to accept because he can just do what Gronk did when the Patriots tried to trade him to the Lions and say, eh, I retire. No. Yeah, I'm not right. So like, that's what I look at too. Like, is he going to push back on the first round pick? because then he's out of a first round pick next season. Like it, this whole thing. And I know we sort of know this, but, and we do this every week and it gets a week closer, but it's coming up very soon. Like we're what, 10 days away from this thing kind of blowing up here. And it's probably going to get pretty ugly. Like uh, Mike's Giardi's, Giardi's buddy, uh, or not buddy, but Giardi's coworker and Greg Bedard said it a few weeks ago too. Like it, there's so many, there's so much around this thing that it really can get ugly fast here because there's so many types of, you know, things involved. There's so many high egoed people involved. Like it's, it's, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. Let's put it that way. Same. And we will be talking about it for weeks yeah. and or months and or years and or decades, depending on how it plays out and the results. Um, but it should be interesting. I don't know if it'll be fun. I don't know if it'd be good, but it should be interesting at the very least. Yeah. Um, Another interesting thing this week, getting into this Bills-Patriots matchup that um, I know you were there yesterday, and Bill Belichick saying, making comparisons between Josh Allen mm. and Tom Brady when Tom Brady ascended to a certain level in 2003, and then Josh Allen has ascended to a certain level. And I, I found the, the one word that seems like uh, an innocuous word, those. When those quarterbacks do that, mm -hmm. And those quarterbacks he's referencing include Tom Brady and Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. He is calling Josh Allen a truly elite of elite blue yeah. chip franchise QB. And as everybody correctly connected, this was a guy that not that long ago, Bill was like, I don't really see the hype with Josh Allen. I don't think he's yeah. an MVP candidate. Um, so what did you think about, you know, the same sentence, Bill Belichick talking about Tom Brady and Josh Allen? Yeah. Um, I think he's sort of walking, trying to walk back his comments from a couple of years ago that Me too. that that went live. That I don't really think they were supposed to. I think they were off the record, and the the people, the the broadcast team, didn't fully understand that. Um, yep. But no, I think I mean, in Josh Allen's kind of kicked their ass ever since then, and so um, I think that's just him sort of paying respect where it's due because I, I don't think he's necessarily wrong in in comparing Josh Allen to Tom Brady as, and again, he's no, nobody's Tom Brady. Like I, I shouldn't have to give that caveat, but this will get clipped and someone will say that I called Josh Allen right. Tom Brady. 
but they're high high end level quarterbacks in the NFL. And when he says those types of quarterbacks, he's also telling you that we don't have one of those types of quarterbacks. Like, because he would have just said, he would have just said, oh, he's like he's like Mac in that. <laughs> like, he, you know what I mean? But um, no, I think it's it's him paying the respect, and I think Josh Allen himself, like he he's had ebbs and flows and even as recently as this year he's had ebbs and flows but even since they got rid of ken dorsey as their play caller and brought joe brady in and they're kind of getting back to the way allen wants to play they've won three straight and he's getting back to that mvp level type of uh, type of player and type of output and so um i think they're gonna have their hands full and i think um whether people i i also just love every time Belichick talks about Brady. Like every time he brings up Tom, I just kind of get a little giddy. And I'm also like, okay, like he he knows what he had here. And and admittedly, he doesn't tiptoe around the fact that Brady's the greatest of all time anymore. Like he sort of would when they when he was here. And even when it happened, he was kind of just like, well, that happened, we're moving on, type thing. But you know, since he's retired and everything, he's he's given Tom his flowers. And I like that because it says it shows that, you know, Bill is aware of what what he had. Um, to compare him to Allen, again, I, I said it three or four times now already, but I, I think it's valid in that he is a top-tier quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, same. I'm a big Josh Allen fan. I yeah. really like him. Um, and I know he gets a lot of pushback because of the turnovers and sort of the style of play that can be a little, I guess, Farvian and kind of maddening right. at times. Um, but to me, this was – because we always have this debate of where the line is with franchise quarterbacks, true, like, True elite yeah. quarterbacks, you know, it, it Patrick Mahomes is obviously atop the list. And then you go through, oh, Joe Burrow is there. Is Josh Allen there? Was Deshaun Watson there pre everything that's gone yeah. on with him? Herbert. And I think Bill is Herbert, Herbert. And then, you know, Jalen Hurts last right, year right. when he ascended in. And I think Bill's telling you, I put him in the truly elite category, whatever mm -hmm. that top blue chip quarterback is. I put them there. Okay, before we get into the clashes, one last thing I just want to rant on. Tiny sure. second. Um, again, this is building off of a television appearance I did on NBC Sports Boston last night where they asked a question of, to the effect of, is Josh Allen like the blueprint for the Patriots? Because they they finally drafted a quarterback in the top 10 after going years of the mid-round pick. I mean, the mid-first round, whatever. J.P. Lossman, E.J. Manuel, tries. And I was like, sure, but like he's – a freak like there's almost yeah. no one like him i think to me I, I i legitimately and this may be blasphemy for some broncos fans but i think he's the closest thing to john elway since john elway in his unique kind of package of athleticism size can run you over throws his body around but can throw an absolute dart that that you don't even right. see so sure yeah josh and he was also maybe the most questioned draft pick in the last 10 years when he was drafted because right. the highs were the highs in college but the lows were really ugly which he still rides that roller coaster a little bit but yeah would the, would the Patriots be better off if they could draft at number six a guy like Josh Allen and let him develop absolutely who's that guy well <laughs> right that that was also a loaded draft class I mean at the time anyway it was Baker Mayfield who I mean Baker right now is playing some of his best football but Sam Darnold was a top end prospect like Josh Rosen I know where he ended up but a lot of names and then Lamar Jackson was picked at the end of the first round of that year right. so like even though they picked him at seven I think it was like that there was a lot of you know darts you could throw where 
I mean, as far as a blueprint goes, I guess the Patriots went that blueprint with Mac Jones, but it was the 15th pick and it was the fifth quarterback off the board. So, yeah, I mean, I look at it in comparison to this year's draft class and, you know, we'll talk about Caleb Williams and Drake May and I would put Jaden Daniels at number three. Like if you take Jaden Daniels at fourth overall or wherever you land, like I'm okay with that because that is sort of the the Josh Allen and E blueprint where you take a guy early and you build around him. But is Jaden Daniels going to be Josh Allen? Like, I think that's unfair expectations for Jaden Daniels. Yes, he can be a freak athlete. Yes, he can throw the football well. But he, you know, you have a long way to go there. So I understand the 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 concept of don't take the quarterback late and don't try and develop a second round pick because then you end up, I mean, you mentioned John Elway. What John Elway tried to do with Denver for so many years with Paxton Lynch and uh, there was there was a couple other ones that I can't even think of off the top of my head. But, you mm-hmm. know, those like second first late first drew lock for late first second round picks that you know you can't really develop into anything yeah take take the top dog at, at the top of the draft that's what i think the patriots should do here agreed um and if they can get a guy like josh allen i'll take him because he's certainly yeah. fun to watch and entertaining and you have a chance to win every game you play much like lamar i would say similar yeah. to lamar but i would never call lamar a blueprint because lamar these guys are freak rare talents that you just can't right and I think if you try to start to project others into being like them, that's where you get into trouble. 100%. And they're special. They truly are special talents, special players. Okay, so let's get into the Patriots versus Bills in Buffalo Sunday, New Year's Eve, 1 o'clock. Um, a lot of talk this week about how these teams don't like each other. I found that mm-hmm. interesting in the press conferences. Bailey Zappi, David Andrews. A lot of Bills Mafia talk about the fan base and the bus route into the stadium and how it's a really passionate fan base. Bills come in at nine and six. So they've ridden kind of the roller coaster as a team this year, where at one point they were the best team in football. Uh, they beat the Dolphins. And I think everybody was like, oh, the Bills are the team to beat in the NFL. They're great. They're awesome. Then at one point they were out of the playoffs. They were like the nine seed yeah. or whatever. Now they're back in the playoff hunt, and people are calling them maybe the most dangerous team, the team you don't want to face. You mentioned it earlier. Joe Brady has taken over for Ken Dorsey. Um, Offensively, Stephon Diggs has 1,000 yards, but some people think he's fading in terms of being a number one receiver. Uh, James Cook is probably one of the undersold weapons in football this year. 1,000-yard back. I was going to say, he's one of like four or five guys to have 1,000 yards on the ground. Right. And he's also caught whatever, like 40 passes for them. Like he's no Christian McCaffrey, but he's kind of their Christian McCaffrey where he runs the ball, catches the ball. And we know they've been looking for years for a running back to kind of diversify the offense. Everybody Um, links every running back to the Bills. I'm like, just roll with James Cook. He's pretty good. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then defensively, their numbers are still great, even though they lose Matt Milano, who everybody Mm -hmm. thought would be a massive. Tredavious White, number one corner. They kind of keep chugging along. I did my usual, um, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. I have a very simplistic approach to see whether teams are good. I always see which teams are in the top 10 in offense and defense. It's the damnedest thing. And I feel like if you're in the top 10 in both, you're probably a decent team. Yeah, I like it. There's only five teams right now in the NFL that are in the top 10 in both offense and defense. That would be the Ravens, which everybody Mm -hmm. thinks is the front runner. The Cowboys, which everybody thinks could be good, good, but they have to prove it. The Chiefs, which everybody's pooping all over these days, even though they're still a pretty good team. The Dolphins, 
and your Buffalo Bills. Those are the five teams in the NFL in the top 10. You should patent offers. that. I know, really. Yeah. It's, it's groundbreaking material. <laughs> PFF ain't got nothing on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with all that as our as our background, just give me your general thoughts on this game before we get to the three crucial matchups. Like, is this are the Bills as good as we thought they were at some points? Are are they mediocre? Are they maddening? Where are the Bills? Because obviously one of the Bills um worst losses of the mm-hmm. year probably was at Gillette Stadium yeah. when Mac Jones looked like a real quarterback and they scored and like that whole thing. Yeah, um, so what are the Bills? Down. Yeah, I mean they're pretty good. Like I, I do. I think oh, just an overarching quick thought before we get into it. Like they were six and six and they did hit a lull and they did make changes and they did have some controversy with their head coach. And Josh Allen looked like he, you know, wasn't, wasn't going to be, or wasn't performing as well as he should have under his OC in, in Ken Dorsey, but they saw that what the problems were and they made the changes and they've sort of rebounded from that. And I think that that's what, you know, that's what makes a good team is it's not going to be all, perfect every single week you're, it's hard to go 16 and 0 we saw it once like you're going to lose games you're going to hit lows you're not going to perform your best you're going to throw interceptions you're going to let up a ton of points it's how you rebound and how you sort of get back to the mean that tells me if you're a good team or not and the bills have done exactly that the last three weeks and so they're also hitting their stride at the right time because some teams like the chiefs hit those lows later on in the season and it can it can screw you over as far as seeding it happened to the patriots a few years ago they screw up their seeding towards the end of the year. They end up losing in the wild card round and whatever. Like, so the Bills are a good team and they're they're hitting their stride at the right time. We're sitting at December 28th right now. They've won three straight. Josh Allen looks as good as he's been all season. The defense, like you mentioned, they've rebounded. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Bills. I think they're they're one of the teams to beat and they're a sneaky Super Bowl contender again, uh, heading into the postseason. Uh, and as Bill Belichick noted, when you have the great quarterback. Sometimes the rest right. kind of falls into place or just tags along for the ride. Uh, last I looked, the Patriots were a 12-point underdog yeah. Sunday in Buffalo, which is kind of a big number in my mind, the way the Patriots' defense has played, the way they've played mostly close games. Hell, they beat this team earlier this year. Of course, also recent history has the Bills absolutely demolishing the Patriots at times, so maybe that 12 points is warranted. Um, so as we break, start to break down the game, What's the first Cadillac's crucial clash sure. of the week? All right, um, we already touched on it mostly, but we'll we'll give it a we'll give it its its due as far as a a matchup to watch here, and it is Bailey Zappi versus this Bills defense because we touched on all of it, but quickly just to kind of rehash it, Zappi finally really put together. And I know you, you mentioned the the six three and outs, and he, he wasn't great the entire time, but he didn't excel and then hit a wall and then completely fall off like he has over the last few games. Like there was ebbs and flows, and I've used that three or four times now, but there was, you know, ups and downs in this game against Denver. Um, And obviously he put it together when it mattered most at the end and was able to get Ryland in field position and get the job done. And and a quick aside, like I look at a guy like Devontae Parker in this game who rightfully so has kind of gotten some flack this season after getting the extension. And, you know, maybe some people don't really like his attitude and he's not as good as, you know, he should be, but when they ask him to do what he's supposed to do and go get jump balls and catch a quick slant for a first down on second and three, right? Like not, he's not a yak guy when they, when he does what he's supposed to do, he's, he's not that bad. He's actually a pretty good, you know, jump ball possession receiver. He shouldn't be your number one. He shouldn't be your, your go-to guy, but you know, you saw it in that game. Um, and he looked pretty good, but anyway, Zappy two and two over his last two here. 
um, looking like he's trying to make a name for himself moving forward past this season. Um, and now he has another, he has a big test this week. This is his biggest test so far. I would say, I mean, you could call Kansas city that perhaps, but they were sort of in a low where this is on the road in Buffalo against a team who's won three straight a defense, which we'll get to in the next matchup um, is one of the best in football. Um, so how does he respond after coming off a high in Denver and playing well on the road? Can he do it again two weeks in a row? Uh, I want to watch him really closely and see how he responds after uh, some success that he's sort of hitting now uh, off of last week. And, you know, I think that's kind of been the story of his um, relatively young infant career here. Remember, he gets thrust into the spotlight in Green yep. Bay and handles himself well. They go to overtime. He doesn't win. Um, and then this year, like, you're on the road in Pittsburgh. Terrible towels. Not an easy place to play. Right. Now, I know the home crowd that night was actually kind of more against Mitchell Trubisky than they were against Bay yeah. Zappi. Um, and you go to Denver. Always been a tough place to play. It doesn't matter if your name is Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe, Steve Grogan, whatever. Yeah. That's always been a tough place. And the the Christmas Eve thing too. Like I, I look at it, and that's kind of how I look at this 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 week's game. Is like one team is fighting for everything in the postseason, and the Patriots have no reason to show up. Like right. it's a holiday, just like last week. You're out of it. You know, there's rumors. You're tired. Like it's week 17, and the season's over. But they did it, and they went out and won last week. So I thought that was impressive too. Definitely, and. um so Zappi, I mean, he's the fo- quarterback's always the focal point, but right. he's the focal point of still striving, I think, to put four quarters together. Yep. Because as yep. you said, like the ebbs, the flows, but he made the throws he needed to. Uh, you know, he he's and he definitely there's no fear of pushing the, the ball down the field. There's no mm-hmm. fear of like he talked about it this week, giving Devontae Parker chances. He trusts him. Um, I think Mac trusted him maybe too much at times. We know yeah. that the, some of those turn into interceptions. Um, but I also just like looking at Zappy, I found it interesting when he was asked about the Bills defense. The first, I think the only names he brought up were Poyer and Hyde. Like yeah. it definitely feels like he was has been beaten into his head, like know where those dudes are because those yeah. dudes know what they're doing, and those are the guys that'll make the difference between whether you have a good game or a bad game, kind of right. thing. And they're not the only ones. We'll get into some other aspects of the Bills defense. Um but he he is the story. Like we're gonna watch every throw. We're gonna watch every throw away. Yep. Every throw into traffic. Every it it's all on him right now because he's kind of deciding not only his own career but the way that it feels like this season ended. So right. definitely Bailey's at, and and against Sean McDermott. You know, a, right. a veteran head coach who is you know, taking over the reins there of that defense and has them. Zappy had a lot to say about McDermott as far as a coach yep. and having those guys put in the right position and it'll be a big challenge. Like he he knows he knows what he's going up against. Oh, yeah. He said well coached more like yeah. six times in a short paragraph yeah. type answer. Um, so whether the, whether he believes that, whether that was just beaten into him as a talking point from right. Belichick, Bill O'Brien at all, um, I never know. I think some of it, I mean, it's always some of the latter. It's always some of what they were told. They just kind of right. power, powered it right out. Um, but Sean McDermott has something to prove. Like we talk about Bailey Zappi with something to prove. Sean McDermott, let's not forget, a few weeks ago, people like me were like, don't rule the Bills out as a possible landing spot for yeah. Bill Belichick. Like they could be a head coach change away like the Chargers from being a much better football. Because I'm not a huge McDermott guy. I've really, it's funny, I've kind of, steal your phrase ebbed and flowed over the years <laughs> in terms of how I felt about him. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think he's the most stable of head coaches. I really don't. And I think if the going gets tough in this game, we can talk about Zappy. Can he handle it? I don't know. Can Bill, can um, Sean McDermott handle it with his play? As you said, Zappy is, has got nothing to lose and everything to lose all at once. Yeah, as David yeah. Andrews said, you always have something to lose, like you're playing for your career and whatever. Sean McDermott, if they fall on their face in this game, you get swept by the Patriots, who are a five-win team, and it costs you a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. That could be a fireable offense for the, the Bulls. So yeah. um, how does Sean McDermott handle the pressure will also be interesting. But, okay, so Cadillac's Crucial Clash is number two. You just talked about McDermott handling pressure, but I'm more worried about Bailey Zappi handling pressure in this one because uh, diving more into the offense versus defense here, I'm looking at, once again, I think we did this the last time too, but the Bills pass rush against this Patriots offensive line is really what I'm looking at here because 50 sacks on the season, I think they're top three in the league. Uh, Guys like Leonard Floyd, Ed Oliver, Epinesa, you know, Gregory Russo is up there too. He was a top, I think, first or second round pick for the Bills a few years ago, like, they have a lot of guys on that front um, who can get after the quarterback, and they've done it all season. Uh, they make it a living hell, and Zappi knew it, and David Andrews knew it, and talked about it yesterday too. How it's not only their you know their front on the on the line, but they bring bring guys from the back end too, and they blitz and they blitz their safeties and they disguise things like they make it hell for the quarterback, and they've blitzed a lot. Um, they're I think they're one of the higher percentage blitz teams in the NFL right now too. So uh, they try and make it tough on the quarterback. And blocking for Bailey Zappi this week is once again a piecemealed offensive line because um, Connor McDermott before last week goes out with the concussion. So then they rotate Vidarian Lowe in with Trent Brown because, um, as our friend Mike Reese kindly put it, uh, he was moving a little bit slower than the rest of his teammates last week, (laughs) a.k.a. he was pretty much dogging it. Um, And I know that Trent is hurt. And he's been banged up all all season. His ankle, his chest, his knee. It's like he he's taken a beating this year. I'm not going to take that away from him. But he was basically, and this is just kind of my opinion from reading the tea leaves and what we've seen. I feel like he was probably sent home this week and said, "Just just get out of here. Like we we don't need this right now." They listed him as only an illness on the injury report on Wednesday, so they took every other designation away found that interesting too so we'll see what happens with trent but long story short their offensive line is now like the darian low and james ference and david andrews which is good um but it wouldn't surprise me if like adrian clem ended up suiting up this week and trying to play off this line <laughs> for them because they're in a bad spot and it's going to be it's going to be tough for them to to handle this bill's uh this bill's front yeah i'll take the over on sacks um yeah. i can easily see Zappy being sacked five or six times in this game. You mentioned it. They have 50 sacks spread around by 16 different guys have yeah. at least one sack. Um, watching them from afar, because obviously they've been in some big games, Ed Oliver has been a beast much of the yep. year. You know, we talk about – And Christian he was Baltimore. out in their first – he was out in their first matchup too. He didn't play right. against yeah. – Yeah, and I I just envision him having a field day. I, I – We've seen a lot of it, and now I'm obviously Cole Strange is not a part of this, but some of these inside guys have given this line the last year, year and a half, a lot of tr- uh, trouble. Ed Oliver, they move all over the front. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I'm gonna. Is he in a contract year? I bet you he's in a contract year. Just, uh, just I don't know. I think he might have actually just like resigned, like a oh, big okay. deal, like last offseason. Because um, he's a guy that has always kind of been. I don't know that he's ever been as good as he was supposed to be coming into the league. Right. Um, and it at seems one point like he was like consi- going to be like the number one overall pick out of Utah. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, and that's what I mean. And and now he kind of is, is putting that into production on the field. Yeah. Um, but as you said, Leonard Floyd off the edge, like the Verdarian low, if he steps on the field is a concern and he will probably have to step on the field. So it'll be a concern. Um, and Bailey's after- off season, excuse me, this past off season at Oliver signed a four year, $68 million contract extension. Okay. Then I'm going to flip exactly what I was going to say. Cause he looked like a guy that was in a, a contract yeah. year fighting for a deal. He's the opposite. I'm going to say he's Jalen Brown. He got the contract and yeah. now he's trying to prove that he's worth it and live like up it. to it and worked harder. So good on you, Ed Oliver. Sorry for trying to judge you from afar. <laughs> my apologies. Good, sir. Um, but that's don't bad. Kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. Please don't kick my ass. Um, I think this is, if you can win this matchup somehow, if you can, if we're not talking about the bills front, or if we're just talking about how Zappy did a good job stepping up and moving in the pocket, which he, it's been a talking point this week that he has worked on that, that um, Evan Rothstein has yeah. kind of led the way in, in those drills, pre-practice, post-practice, um, his pocket presence, footwork, all of that. If that can be just stagnated, like if you don't give – if if there's one sack in the game and only a couple pressures, I think that's a first step towards the Patriots winning this game. But my guess is um, Bailey Zappi is going to be under pressure yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, it's going to be tough. So, okay. Uh, now, Cadillac's crucial clashes number three. Boy, we're getting a little long here. Jeez. I know. We, we really, I, uh, yeah, we're rolling. I know. Jeez. Uh, all right. Well, quickly, uh, as we just got a, I just got a notification from the Patriots that they did claim Marco Wilson, uh, a cornerback from the Arizona Cardinals. Marco. Let's talk, yeah, Polo. Let's Wilson. talk about the Bills. Uh, I'm talking Bills wide receivers, Bills outside wide receivers, more more specifically versus the Patriots boundary defenders because it's Alex Austin and it's Sean Wade and maybe it's Marco Wilson if they can get him ready in, in two and a half. Days. Like, so, and again, last week, like, I mean, going into last week's game, I think we talked about it on this show and I wrote about it too. Like it was Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy who are, is a one of the better, I would say, ish, tandems in football i mean judy has sort of slacked off a bit but i was gonna say you like jerry judy more than most so you're yeah, I do, that but, duo up a little bit. but i mean it's it's nothing to not write home well like those are two you know talented wide receivers and wade and austin i guess they, they played pretty well against them like sutton had scored a touchdown in basically every game this season he didn't get in the end zone like i don't know i thought they played well against those guys for two boundary cornerbacks who haven't had much experience and belichick talked about it yesterday where you know, it's not perfect with those guys, but the more experience they get, the more time they get, you know, in the system, the more the more times they get jammed at the line or they they have to jam at the line. Excuse me. Like they you know, you get your feet under you because when you're a practice squad player like or, you know, even a, a depth piece like Wade and Austin have been for the majority of their careers, they don't get that game action. And so when you when you thrust them in at, you know, at random times, like they're going to get burnt because they're just not used to it. So now they're getting their feet under them. They're getting their feet wet. But. Now they have to go against who you mentioned before, Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis, who Diggs, I guess, has fallen off, like you said, but he's still going to be and always will be until he leaves that team. Josh Allen's number one option. Yep. Um, and then Gabe Davis is a guy who one week he'll go for one catch for three yards, and the next week he'll have eight catches for 116 yards and four touchdowns. Like that guy's just – that's another ebb and flower is Gabe Davis, but – the last time he played against the Patriots, I think he had one for six. So now he's he's destined for a hundred plus yard game. So um, uh, I just I want to see how those guys match up against another uh, another quality outside wide receiver tandem uh, in in Diggs and uh, in Gabe Davis. And 
not just the issues at corner, which you know my feelings about the House of Cards, and yep, and you were very correct. Um, I must, but I this must week, listen to Andy Hart next. Uh, everything, every uh, take. I feel like I there's have, a shot about James Robinson coming here. No, no, I wasn't even going to do it. I was just going to give you your your flowers. Every single take I have next uh, next training camp is just going to be a regurgitated Andy Hart take <laughs> because he was 100 percent correct on the cornerbacks. But now that you um, mentioned it, where's James Robinson? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but you also have that exacerbated by the fact. Uh, Jabril Peppers didn't play last week, yeah. didn't practice early this week. Jalen Mills didn't practice early this week. He was doing like point guard dribbling drills, yeah. sitting on the bench, watching practice with a concussion. So if you take those two guys away, in addition to the questions at cornerback against a guy like Josh Allen and Stefan, D- like you're starting to see why this could be a 12 point game. Exactly. I will say though, um, if you remember, Peppers made that play early, might've been Josh Allen's first throw in the game at Gillette Stadium where he Mm -hmm. drifted off and had the interception. Yep. I feel like this game, you know, you never win the game in the first quarter, but you can lose it. Like if Josh Allen comes out and like feels good and is like hits a couple passes and it's like, oh, Jesus, Austin can't hang here. Or like, I feel like he could have a day or vice versa. Like, I feel like if any one of those guys, Miles Bryant was a talking point this week. Bill was gushing about him. If he can make a play early, and then Josh Allen's like, Jesus, here we go again. How, why did I turn that over? What was I thinking there? I really think the first drive or two for the Patriots defense and these guys in the back end against Josh Allen could kind of set the tone for the way this game plays out and yep. decide whether it's, oh, the Patriots defense put up a good fight, Bills win, or whew, Patriots defense finally got exposed, Josh Allen rolled and put up big exactly. points. And not even exposed, but it's just more so like, oh, they've finally they're really taking their beating with these injuries because right. again, you talk about two of their two of their best players on the on the unit in Judon and Gonzalez have been out since week 4 and they're still right. performing up to up to snuff. So, yeah, when is it finally going to hit this unit? I feel like this could be a week where that happens. So, we made it through three crucial clashes. And an entire podcast, and somehow didn't mention the name of Josh Christian Allen. Barmore. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, we talked about Allen. You're right. Christian yeah. Barmore is a beast. Yeah, he is. We'll give him, we'll make him the fourth crucial clash because it's not even a matchup. It's just that guy is a stud. He is a, he is their best player on defense this season. Three sacks against Denver. Like, there's no, there's nothing to take away from him and how he's playing right now. He's trying. He's, kicking ass he's he's putting it all out there um this is his best season as a pro um he's going to be worthy of your contract extension if he gets it when he gets it they should already have it signed sealed delivered on his desk right now um i got no problems with christian barmore obviously he's he's been awesome and uh i mean will he make a difference in this game we'll see um but yeah i mean i he's been great yeah i find it hard to believe in my positive scenario where you force Josh Allen into some things he doesn't want to do or have him scuffling a little early. I find it hard hard to believe that will play out without Christian Barmore being a thorn in his right. side. Yep, for sure. If Barmore's not impactful in that middle rush, I I find like I think this is a tough matchup overall for the Patriots. Agreed. He's gonna have to be we've raved about him and deservedly so. Right. And now it's almost becoming an expectation. I need, I need you. you to dominate. Yeah. If they yep. double you. Your problem, deal with it. If they like whatever, if they slide to you, sorry, that's how it works when you're really good. Like, right, this is that next step in his evolution to becoming truly that top tier 
we count on you every week, no matter what the other team does to impact right. the game. 100%. And I think this game with the issues in the back end, this game is on Christian Barmore to some yeah. degree to, to get the job. And obviously Anthony Jennings and, and Josh Uche and some of those yeah. others, but they're down here. They're complimentary guys. The stud up front is He's the linchpin now of that. Front, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So Patriots at Bills, 12 point favorite Buffalo, the home team, the Bills mafia. They're fighting for playoff seeding. They're fighting to remain the most dangerous team in football. They're looking to win four in a row, but the Patriots looking to win three of four hot yeah. as they've been all year. What does Mike Cadlick think is going to happen on Sunday in Buffalo? So I do like the fight the Patriots have shown. Like, I, I think that there's there's something to say about the fact that, and I mentioned it already earlier, but like going into Denver on Christmas Eve out of the playoffs, they're, they're fighting for something, you're fighting for nothing. They could have easily rolled over and died and, you know, lost by 30 and nobody would have thought anything of it. It would have just been, oh yeah, that's where we, we were. But they, yeah, but they didn't. They, you know, they fought and I think they'll fight again this week. I think they're, they hear it, they see it, they have that momentum. Um and Zappy does and the defense does and Barmore and all those guys like they want to continue to succeed and, you know, show why the team that we saw earlier in the season isn't that team now. Um, and I do think they'll do that this weekend against Buffalo. But I also think that the Bills are just a different beast right now. Like Bill Belichick said it three in a row. You wrote them off early and now here they are. So um, I do think Buffalo wins this one. I think the Patriots will probably cover that 12-point spread, but I don't expect it to be all that close. Um, I think the Patriots will fight, but I just think the Bills win it. So 24-13 um, Bills, like they just cover the spread. Like I, I think it'll be lower scoring than the Bills games have been in the past. And I think the the Patriots offense will, will put one or two in the end zone, but at the end of the day, it's just not going to be enough. So long story short, I'm going Bills 24, Patriots 13. Okay, and I'm going to actually make a prediction this week okay. because I'm honestly not sure if we're doing a Six Rings preview podcast with Fitzy and myself because we're doing right. radio and I'm not sure where he is. So uh, make sure I cover my bases and get it in here for our friends at FanDuel. Make yep. every moment more. I do think the Bills are going to prove a point. I do think Josh Allen has had a bee in his bonnet for Bill Belichick, and I yep. think Bill is trying to make up for those comments, as you said, that we're never supposed to reach the ears of fans. Um I think the Bills are the better football team. I think the Patriots are just fighting an uphill battle. I don't think they were all that talented to start with, and then you remove right. guys at certain positions. I can't just ask Christian Barmore to cover to carry the defense. I can't. The back end is decimated. Josh Allen is really good at home. Yep. To me, I think I think this has a chance to be an out of hand game. I think Vegas knows what they're doing, putting it at twelve. Mm -hmm. um, you're not playing Mitchell Trubisky. You're not playing a quarterback that's going to get benched the following week. Give me the Bills to win thirty six to thirty six to twelve. Wow. I don't they're know. going going up. 12 points, huh? How do they how do they do that? Is that four field goals? So Chad Ryland misses a PAT but hits two field goals. <laughs> I like it. All right, there we go. Sounds good. Just like it's last week. Yeah. Okay, right. Patriots like Bills, New Year's Eve, uh Sunday afternoon in Buffalo. You get to watch the great Josh Allen, who is the modern day Tom Brady, according to Bill Belichick. He didn't actually say that. I'm just kidding. Busting your balls, Bill. Don't get mad at me. Um, but the Bills are fighting for playoff positioning, the Patriots. We don't know what they're fighting for. They're fighting to be professionals, and fans are fighting each other 
as to whether they're rooting for or against their football team and draft picks or not draft picks and that whole thing. He is Mike Cadlick. He did another great job coming up with the clashes for one more week, and he only has to do it for one more week because Thank next God. week we'll be back prior to the season finale um, against the Jets and then prior to all hell potentially breaking loose in Patriot Nation. That's but that's a still a little more than a week away. Bills, Patriots, Sunday, Buffalo. He's Cadlick. I'm Hart. Six rings out. See ya.